Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. It's so wonderful to be back and um, to be able to, last time I was here, we had, I was here earlier this year and uh, we had struck water in, in March and, uh, but they weren't able to get the water. But now this time I'm here, you see them, they're getting water out of, filling their jugs up. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just amazing, you know, what God can do. And uh, if you allow him, if you allow him to work through you and you hang on, you know, to his promises. You know, God, uh, Clint was talking about, you know, uh, the promises of God are yes and amen, and amen in the Bible, in the Old Testament. But, you know, it's also yes and amen when he speaks to your heart and tell, gives you a promise. And um, sometimes it doesn't always work out the way we want them to, it want, we want it to. But God's promise to you is still sure, and he's faithful to bring it through. You know, the first time I was up there and we, we, we drilled, it was a dry borehole. You know, but after God had already given me that promise. Yes, these, this is where you're supposed to be. They're going to have water. You know, and that when Clint said we got to get them a well, and God spoke to my heart, yes. And I've held on to that, and I held on to that. Now, y'all... It was hard when I, we drilled that borehole, and it, it's, it's dry. To stand on the promise that I know God gave me, it was hard. But I believe you have a choice to make, and you can choose what you're going to believe. You can believe the lie of the devil, and I'm telling you what, it was slapping me in the face and kicking me in the butt when that borehole was dry. But I chose to believe the promise of God. He didn't put me up there in that remote mountain for no reason. He knew what he was doing when he put me up there. He knew years ago when I was a hardcore backpacker. I didn't know it, that that's what I was going to be. God was going to be using it today to go to reach those people with the gospel and demonstrate his love for them up there on that mountain with the thing they need the most, which is water. I stood on the promise. And I said, no, God, I know you brought me here. I know you spoke to my heart and said they were going to have water. And there were several in here that said, I've seen the water bubbling up. Charlene Elder was one of them. I've seen it. They were in first, you know, she saw it, said, don't give up, you know. And it's because of a church like this. You know, I said, you know, here I am. I'm back in America. Yes. You know, I've had a wonderful time since I've been here. You know, I've had lunches with girlfriends. We had the bonfire. You know how long it's been since I got to roast a weenie over a fire and marshmallows and have some. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's so much fun. And then last night we were, a bunch of us girls were out, and I'm checking my, my phone. I'm trying to figure out the football scores, you know, and Georgia beat Kentucky, <laughs> Auburn. Lost and Rotide, Alabama beat LSU. We're in a country where freedom matters, and we're in a church that cares more than about themselves. I mean, that song that Adam was singing earlier, you know, and you saw the vine, and, you know, we're the branches. You know, this church is the branches that reaches over across that ocean. To Kenya, y'all cared enough to stand behind this little country missionary and say do it go for it we're behind you we support you you know I can't do that without you all you know it takes more than just this person to do what happened over there and I'm so grateful for this church and what you're all doing and supporting me I'm so grateful for y'all sending the team over they loved that team of course, they were, they've already fell in love with Clint first time he was over there three years ago. And, oh, my goodness, I have for three years not been on the mountain. What they didn't ask, when's Clint coming back? When's Clint? Send our greetings to Clint and the church. Send our greetings. Send our greetings. When's Clint? When are they coming back? And so when I had the opportunity after Clint said they were coming, oh, my gosh, that whole mountain has just been anticipating so much you know, them, the team coming. 
I said, he's coming. There's going to be church members from there coming. There's been so excited. And they received them like family, like they've known them. I mean, they met Clint, but, you know, with Tracy, Caitlin, and Courtney, it was just like they've known them all along and knew that y'all were here because I've told them y'all were here praying for them and, and everything and that, you know, their heart, you know, your heart was over there. And, uh, oh, my gosh, they met them with dancing and excitement, and it was so great. And uh, is Courtney in here? Okay. I had, um, they went up there. This is the only team, only people that I took up there that actually survived Mount Pocket at the camp. I've taken some people up there, and they go up there, and they look around like, and we come back down the mountain, and we go into town and stay at the hotel. This team stayed. And I don't know, it was awesome. They were great. I mean, it was like they're called to be there. They're meant to be there. God gave them the grace to be there. Y'all, this is not an easy place to stay. So I wanted, I brought them, had something made up, and uh, Tracy and Caitlin was... It was a surprise in the first service. Yes. So we'll have to just act surprised again. Okay. So I had some special T-shirts made up. Of course, it this says... This is her logo, Desert Rose Ministries. Touching the untouched and reaching the unreached. But, okay, turn around. Can y'all see that? I survived Mount Paca, Kenya. I survived Mount Paca, Kenya. So they're the only ones that have this shirt. <laughs> and I'm so grateful yeah, and thankful. Yeah, that's cool. I'll wear So that. I got them all for one. And because uh, they hung with me. God give them the great, they hung up there with me. I don't know how, but Tracy come out of her tent every morning in full face makeup. <laughs> but she uh, was up there and they done it. And uh, it was, you know, you go three days without a bath, you know, you live on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But uh, you know what? Because we got water, it's better now. We don't have to do that. And we don't have to be careful of what, how much water we drink and if we wash our hands or not. Through your support and your all's love, I don't have to do that anymore. And those people don't have to do that anymore. And come to me begging for my water, our water, because they don't have. You know, that, that picture you saw, you think it was bad? That was when it was full. You should see it when it gets down low. It, it's, it's about t it's ten times worse when it just becomes a little bitty five-foot mud hole. And there's cows standing there peeing pooping, doing all that stuff in that water. So now they don't have to do that. We have, when you saw the pictures of the, of the spigots there, there's, there's four spigots, and there's a trough. All the animals come to drink out separate. There's a big trough, you know, to, they just bring their animals, and it's just a trough there. And um, we're so grateful for, for what you've done. And I can't do it without you. So God bless you in that area. I want to catch you up to date on what else is going on. We're going to be soon. We're going to be uh, building a, a school up there and a church and hopefully medical facility. And hopefully I have a house up there myself. Um, and it's, I mean, their whole lives are going to turned upside down. And, you know, the government, like Clint was saying, the government come in there and all these different surveyors and everything. It is a volcano. It's not just volcanic area. It is a volcano. Clint's been up to the crater, actually, on it. You know, one of the promises that I stood up, you know, if God told Moses to hit a rock and he can get water, and he did. Well, God sent me there, so I stood on the promise. If that, if he's, what's good for a long time ago? God's word's still the same, is it not? Uh, if he can, Moses can strike a rock and get water, I believed we could drill a volcano and get water. And we did. He is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. And if he gives you a promise in your heart, you choose to stand up. It may not happen like you wanted to. I wanted water the first time. You know, it didn't happen that way. But, you know, we're in the process. Clint, you don't even know this. I haven't even thought to tell you. Of raising funds to pipe the water up the mountain to Chapungas. We're needing about, we're, it's a guess, about $20,000 to put water up on top of Chapungas. 
stand with me in prayer and believe. And if you want to partner to get that water up on the top of that mountain, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And uh, you're all part of it. And we're so grateful. So that's only one hat that I wear when I'm there is going up there and preaching the gospel. Oh, by the way, we had a celebration with Cove Church. They come over after Clinton and them did, and we had the official opening of the borehole and all these government officials and, and everybody from all over the mountain was there. And it was a huge celebration, and it was just wonderful. And the one thing that they all said from the government officials to the, to the people, they were all talking about everybody said it could not be done. It could not be done. It, you know, it could not be done. But they were, some of the locals were saying, but we know God sent Mama Paca here, and she kept saying, we're going to have water. And so they, they just, especially the locals that knew me, my fam, Pocock family up there, they said, but we believe in Mama Paca, you know. And if she says God says we're going to have water, you know. And when they got water, they said, now we know. God truly loves us, and he sees us on this little spot of the earth. This little spot, we know God is real, and we know that he loves us. You said that he was going to give us what we needed most, and we said water, and he has, and he's a true and faithful God, and you cannot shake that out of them today. You cannot and I told them at the opening, I said, you know, there's going to be people come now. And there's going to be people come and tell you of a different God. Well, that God's not didn't bring you water. And so don't ever believe in a different God. There's a lot of Muslims there, you know. And so I just, you know, trying to forewarn them. Remember the God that showed you and has proved his love to you. You know, so... You can't shake their faith. He has given them what they need, and they're so grateful. And they send you your greet, send their greetings to you today, you know, and um, when they knew I was coming home, said, that's what they send them our greetings, send them our love to receive it. Receive it. So... Um, Anyways, some other good news that's going on. Uh, I wear several hats up there. Paca is just one of them. As you know, Caitlin is uh, raising funds for Girls Rescue Home. Clint was telling you about I Rescue Girls, Early Forced Childhood Marriage and FGM. And um, the government, some people there has given us some acreage. And so we're raising funds to have that. But the, the thing of it is... Uh, I'm rescuing girls, but the problem is, is having a place to put them. I don't actually have a home. You know, I have them in different places, and they go to boarding school. But in, when boarding school, when the holidays come, I have a problem because I have to find places to put the girls. Some of them stay with me, come to my house. Some of them go home. Uh, some of them are different, different places. But we need a home. So that when girls leave, you know, if they run away in the middle of the night, where do they go? They show up in town at, at, on the chief's doorstep. Chiefs are a government official, by the way. If they show up somewhere and then they call me, well, then what do I do? Well, this way we can have a home hoping to house up to 50 girls, a safe place for them to come to, to live in. They go to school. They come back. This is their home and uh, be educated, and be the kind of person God wants them to be and have the kind of life that he wants them to have. And, and then hopefully turn them back in their communities to be productive citizens, you know, their communities, and, and stop this, this cycle of abuse and uh, torture, actually, and slavery. And uh, so we're working on that. I recently, the week before I left, Last two weeks, Saturday, I met with the member of parliament of the area, which is, I don't, you don't know how much y'all know, I don't know about the British political system, but he's pretty high up there. 
And uh, this guy has a real heart for the people there. The last member of parliament in the area, he didn't live there. He really didn't do anything for the community or anything. But this is a young man, and I don't, e I don't even believe he's 40 years old. Um, I met with him. He's just got a heart for the people. He is building a new house there in Suswa. And he actually invited me out to his house that he was building, and I met with him. And, and uh, the thing is, he had it in his heart to build a girls' rescue home. So I told him, God's already gone before you. I'll do the work. You know, God has already prepared the way. And, uh, you know, I'll receive any help that you can give me. And uh, whether it's financial or, you know, if it's stones or concrete, whatever. But he's, he is very, very interested. I have his complete and total support and backing for what we're going to do there in Suswa to rescue girls. So that is just major, major awesome. And uh, we're even looking at, he's even talking about giving us some different property, some better property. And he's like, well, this, this property is good, but, you know, sometimes the water, when we have hard rains, water runs off and it can flood, you know. And we want them, this is girls, we got to protect them. We want them a little further off the road. So um, I have some people, they're meeting with him Nick, this coming next week, Tuesday or Wednesday. And they're going to talk about giving us some more property, better property, better location, you know. So God is just working. I mean, he is at work. And uh, is he, we thought it was good then, but it's even getting better. So, you know, I mean, praise God. What an awesome God we serve, y'all. You know, just, it is just remarkable. And the other hat I'm wearing is I'm, I'm uh, starting some Bible colleges. We've got uh, through Impact Ministries and Clint Forward Church where we got the curriculum with the same same school we went to, Jim Richards' material and stuff with the, you know, the me grace message and gospel of peace. And we're going to be training leaders and pastors and, and doing satellite um, Bible colleges, actually, uh, one starting up in January. So we're going to, you know, going to try to stomp out all this religion, what there is in Kenya, and, and get them grounded in the message, gospel of peace and the grace message. So y'all pray for, you know, keep me in your prayer. Don't let me be out of sight, out of mind. I don't know I'm not, but just, in, you know, for those of you. Because um, I can't do this without you. And I'm so grateful for you, what you've done. And uh, I just love you all so much. And I'm grateful to be here. Grace compels us unto good works. Amen. The church, the body of Christ on this planet <clears throat> is the hope of the nations. If we won't do it, really it's not going to get done. And God provides. If you would like to write a $20,000 check, just go ahead and knock out that need, you go for it. We'll participate what we can participate. And, you know, I, I told Teresa this in the first service, but I appreciate, you know, her, her perspective of speaking from a missionary standpoint that has given up everything. I mean, the first time I went over there, you know, you kind of have this idea. I have had pretty realistic expectations. You know, I wasn't expecting some romantic moment of thinking that missions is just all this and saving, getting people healed and born again all the time and just reaching people. And, you know, it's, it's not much different here. There's day-to-day -day life, and then you have to engage opportunities to reach people. It's not like they're missionaries, and then they just run around and do all this amazing work all the time. It's hard. It's harder over there than it is over here to get this kind of stuff done. And the thing that struck me was just the day-to-day -day stuff they have to deal with. Waking up, riding down the roads that are there. I mean, it's like, you know, you have to get a chiropractic adjustment every time you go to the grocery store. The roads are horrible. The, the vision, you know, what you see, just the, the quality of life there, it's, you know, long-term, it just wears on you. The way that people are always at, you know, hounding you for money, you know, because She's an American over there, and there's such poverty. I mean, it's just living there is hard enough, much less trying to follow God into opportunities where there's no work and helping other people on the other side of the planet who don't even really understand what's happening fund it. I mean, you know, it's, it's not easy. We're really, I uh, feel like God has given me an idea to, to contact a few people that are um, 
already supporting her <clears throat> because she needs a break. She's been over there six years full time. She's been home for periods of time, but they say that after, is it three or five years? After five years, they say a missionary needs to come off the field for at least a year. She's been over there six years, and it, you know, it's not easy. So I'm going to work on, I'm going to make some contacts with some other pastors and some people that we know and, and try to just give her a financial cushion where she can come off the road. She can come home, stay with us for a few months, and just come to church and be around. And, you know, she's got an apartment provided in Huntsville. So a lot of things are already taken care of. There's somebody that she sold her car, a little two-door convertible BMW, to go over there. And the person she sold it to lets her drive it when she's here. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. that's God. Come on. And uh, so, you know, just, we're just, we just want to continue to support the work that she's doing. It's just it's not easy stuff. But I, what I was going to say is I appreciate that she's not coming in here and beating everybody up. You ever heard those missionary testimonies? And it's like, you guys are worthless. You're not doing what I'm doing. Might as well just give me your money because I'm doing the real stuff. You know, no, she's, I appreciate that you don't do it that way. <laughs> because we're all, you know, you're, you, I love those signs. I was going to get one for my mailbox. You know, you pull off the property and it says you are entering the mission field. Every day you wake up, your home is your mission field, your job, your surroundings. You know, you don't have to have a building and have a title and have a degree and stand up and have people come in and listen to you speak to be in the ministry. No, you, you are in the ministry. You know, what's in your hands Maybe your child. That's your ministry. Honestly, I'm not just trying to make you feel good. I'm, I'm being serious here, you know. You're not all called into some specific thing. It's like, you know what? We all collectively are called to walk out the love of God. So whatever it is that's in your hands, you do that. You honor God with that. You serve God with that. You invite God into that situation. Because what happens is one of Jesus' prayers becomes fulfilled. And that is, he says, I pray that you have love for one another because it's your love for one another, meaning believers, whether it be spouses, churches with other churches, parents with their kids. It's our love for one another that will show the world that we're his disciples. You know, your love for your child Maybe you may not even realize it. Somebody standing on the outside that's not a believer looks and says, you know what, that, that person, some of them, they may follow, that, that person follows Jesus. Look at the way they love each other. I want that. You know, we don't need revival. We need a love revival. That's what he said was going to convince the world, our love for one another. He prayed in John 17, I pray that, Father, they're as one with each other as I am with you. Me and you, them and you, you and me, me and them. It's like you just can't tell the difference. And we're so walking in love and supporting and encouraging one another that the world looks at that and says, oh, those Jesus followers? Man, I, I don't really want that churchy stuff. I don't want to have to go in there and raise my hands and spin around in circles. I don't want to have to feel like I've got to go through their school to get their culture. But you know what? I want that love thing. I, I want that... I want that. I don't want them to point the finger at me in what I know is wrong in my lifestyle. That's not what's going to make the world desire Jesus. It's our love for one another. You know, you don't even have to go necessarily and figure out how to evangelize the world. I mean, you know, I've thought a lot about this. I'm actually writing a book on it right now. But it's like the, the formula that Jesus gives us to win the world is us loving each other. That's crazy. Oh, we're supposed to go out there and make it happen. We're all supposed to do what Teresa's doing. Well, you can do that if God called. You better not do it if God didn't call you to do it. <laughs> Trust me. I'm there two and a half weeks and it's like I'm ready to go home. Get me out of here. <clears throat> So, when we have love for one another, the world will believe. That's what we should be committed to as, as believers, walking in his love. It starts with understanding his love for us, and then walking in that love for one another. And then as opportunities arise, whether it be selling everything and moving to Kenya, 
or your neighbor next door needs their grass cut, whatever, whatever it is, it's all the same. You posted something. It's something like, you said something like, uh, you know, whether I get somebody healed or take a nap, how'd you say it? If I raise the dead or if I take a nap, I get the same reward. Yeah, that's, I love that. If I raise the dead or take a nap, I get the same reward. Which is, how would you describe the reward? I don't want to put words his in your love. mouth. Yeah, his love. I mean, I'm his accepted yeah. Right. That's good, man. That's so awesome. I love that. So, you know, we're going into the holidays, and Stephen and Tracy Cooper did a great job Wednesday. How many of you were here? It was good stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. You were here. You guys were here. That's pretty good. They're doing uh, week two this coming Wednesday at 7, and uh, we may stretch it into three weeks. I haven't even mentioned that with any of them. Um, we need to talk to them about what they want to do with their audio. Um, we, do, we do have it recorded, so we'll figure that out. Um, <laughs> let go of that guy. Yeah, just follow. If you're in this place, you're going to be free. It's like, oh, what, we're doing three? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we started last week a series on my pastor, Jim Richards' book, How to Stop the Pain. And it was, you know, we kind of went over some basics they put some fine points on communication. It's really good. Come this Wednesday, you'll get more practical ways to communicate. And I'm not trying to paint a negative family picture. You know, it's like, here come the holidays, get ready. I mean, for some of you, it's like that. Some of you, it's not. Huh? It's realistic for some, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, in the midst of that, we need to make sure that we are communicating properly that we are applying what we know about who we are so that we are walking in that love. You know, co communicating well is one of the best ways to display God's love. I mean, it, 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 it just is. It disarms people. It puts people in a place where they feel valued. They know that you love them. They feel respected. And that's how you open people's hearts. You know, you don't have to impose power on someone. If you can get their heart open with love, then power will manifest. I mean, it's like we just create the environment of God's love, and the Holy Spirit then has something to work with. That, you know, that's my secret for teaching. I don't really care how good of a job I do, because the real teaching that happens here is between you and the Holy Spirit. I'm just up here jacking my jaws for a little while and giving you opportunities to hear the Holy Spirit. And I hope you take advantage of that. <laughs> He's the teacher, amen? amen? So in that whole idea of walking in love and displaying God, our, God's love toward people as a sign for others, there's also just personal benefit in that. Last week we started talking about, again, uh, how to stop the pain. There's a few copies in there if you want to get it. If you haven't read it, get it. The tagline is, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. You can't help but to be hurt, but it's your choice how long that hurt's going to linger and if you're going to let that hurt define you or not. If you are still seeing yourself through the lens of some offense or some hurt, you're robbing yourself. You're robbing the finished work of Christ from bearing fruit in your life and helping you move past that. See, because nothing has the potential to hurt you beyond the significance that you attach to it. Something may have happened to you, you were too young or you were vulnerable or you were innocent and something happened and it was a terrible injustice. Yes, that hurt, but it only has power to the degree that you attach significance to it. And what I mean by attaching significance is you start making decisions about that situation that change the way you feel about yourself or the way that you think God sees you, and we judge ourselves, or we judge God, or we judge people. Judging is really the, the kind of overarching point of this book, but judgment is when I assume why you do what you do. And usually what we do is we assume why in context of the negative things I believe about myself. You see, you did that because I'm this. You see, you did that because you don't like me. Did you see Clint walked in? He didn't even say hello. He just walked right past me. I don't, I don't think he likes me. 
I don't think, you know. And, and see, you're, 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 in your mind, it may be a repetitive thing that you don't feel like people like you. It's like where you go with judgment immediately starts to draw out those negative self-images of yourself. It's like, it, you know, we should use that as a clue, as an indicator. Oh, wait, I have, this person is making me feel about myself what I hate about myself. Okay, well, did that person actually do something or is that just your issue is you're seeing through that and what this person did towards you they may not even know what they did. Well, yeah, you did this. Really? I didn't even know that. Well, you said this. It made me feel this way. Okay, well, I, that, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, but I still feel this way. Okay, well, now you've got a choice. If this person's communicated back to you, that's not what I meant, but you still want to force your judgment on them, you're at an impasse. What are you going to do? Maybe that person says, you know what? That's not really what I said. What I said was this. Well, this is what I heard. Okay, well, what are you going to do now? Are you going to stick with what you think you heard? Or are we going to build a bridge here and let's move forward? So, you know, family is the biggest issue where we deal with this stuff, isn't it? Some of us have deceased family members and they're gone. And we're still carrying that stuff around. You know, it's like we, we, we just let those situations define us. And then this vexation happens. Vexation is when you are so fixated on something, it, it consumes your thoughts and your minds, and it dictates how you will feel, and you end up repeating the behavior. You know, you see these just people who are in prison and done these horrific, repetitive crimes uh, on other people. Excuse me. And, you know, they don't, they don't, they're not 12 years old and say, you know what, I want to be a serial murderer. That, this doesn't happen. <laughs> Something happened to them that they held on to, and, they, and, and it drives their emotional inner world, and then they manifest behaviors based on what they focused on, right. and, and may even hate whatever happened to them, and they end up repeating it, good or bad. That's why, you know, we're like, we don't, I don't think we realize how influenced, how, 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 what's the word, how, uh, how susceptible we are to influence. Now, we don't, we don't realize how much the world around us influences us. And what we choose to focus on, I mean, I'm telling you, we are sponges. We are mirrors. We reflect back everything around us, whether we realize it or not. Our responsibility is, just like the Scripture says, set your mind on things above. Whatsoever is lovely, pure, of good report, set your mind on these things. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. My soul is where I feel I have these emotions. I'm going to bless the Lord with my emotions. And so you create your focus, and then you will reflect back what you're focusing on. That's why we're very selective about the kind of worship that we do, uh, that we pick to sing. You know, we're going to sing the truth. We're going to sing the aspects of God that we want to see in our lives. We want to sing the Jesus so that that's what's reflected back. You become what you behold. And when you mix judgment in there, judgment is always, I know why you did what you did, because it means this about me. It's very selfish. We think that we're protecting ourselves by judging, you know, but we're actually justifying our own hurts rather than communicating. You know, that, That's the subtle thing that happens is we, we are seeking self-justification because it's easy for me to put my walls up and say, well, you did this. I know why you did this. And this is what it means about me based on what you did. Seeking that self-justification. You know what? If you're still looking for excuses of why you behave the way you do, you have not received Christ as your justification. I wish I had more time to kind of stretch that out a little bit. But when you understand Christ is your justification... Jesus, the Savior, has robbed every accusation from having power in your life. He's removed sin from you. He has made you righteous. He has taken you and put you before the Father and says, I have made them holy. Look what I've done, Father. And the Father says, yes. And so he seals us with his Spirit. And you are righteous. You are, you are holy before the Father. That is your justification. 
If for some other reason in this life you need to come up with excuses, I feel this way because they did this to me. So I'm going to continue. I don't want these kinds of feelings, but these are why I have these feelings, because you did this. Well, really? I mean, you want to live in that? I'm trying not to look at anybody specifically. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying, right? You know? We have these excuses of why we feel bad about ourselves. And they, they might be a really good excuse, but so what? When you are coming up with excuses, you are seeking to justify yourself. And, and you, you have to let go of the carnal justification intellectual process and receive the spiritual justification. It puts you in this place where I'm whole. I am pure before the Father. I'm accepted. My wholeness is in Christ. I'm already whole inwardly. So I don't need you to respond to me any particular way so that I can become whole. And see, that's where we get in trouble because we put ourselves in a place where my wholeness, my peace is dependent upon whether you respond the way I think I need you to respond. You've got a problem You've got something, maybe somebody said or did something to you, and you, I just need closure. I just need closure on this. Well, what if you don't get it? I, I need, I need to, you know, I just need this situation to be made whole. Well, what if that person is not capable of communicating with you to the point where you reach wholeness externally? What are you going to do then? And, you know, that's what, man, you see people, they're hurt, and they invite hurt. And it's like they may go for a little while, and things start to feel good, and it's like, okay, I expect good things, and wait a minute, I need some conflict here, so I'm going to do something. I'm gonna, and this is all subconscious this happens in our heart. I'm going to create some conflict because they're not being what I need them to be. I'm telling you, <clears throat> from a pastoral position, when people come in, and they have their hurts and their pains, and, and they get put on you. Too many pastors play the game where they, they get put in a position to start controlling people. Yeah. Sometimes people come in, they want to be controlled. And I'm not going to do it. To, to, I'm just, I just refuse to control. And people will want you to. They, they want you to control them. And so if you don't give them the conflict that they need then the church gets judged or you get judged. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure we all give in to some aspect of control every now and then. I, I, I pray God's grace that I recognize and don't enter into that. But we do that with people, you know. We, we, they were talking about passive-aggressive communication on Wednesday where it's like, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> give me an example of the passive-aggressive. Y'all gave great examples. I'm putting them on the spot. It's where you would say something kind to their face, but as soon as you turn around, it's, it's um, you know, backstabbing, basically. Backstabbing. Or it's, just, or it's just like, hey, Cliff, that was a great message. Now, when you're speaking this one thing, I think you need to enunciate this a little bit more. There's yeah. always a dig. There's always a dig. There's yeah. always a dig. The well, dig. I loved a Christmas dinner, but the turkey kind of was dry. Yeah. But you're doing great. <laughs> and so, so then that, 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 so, you know, that's the example of that type of communication. They gave some, a, a few others. Um, I'm sure you love my kids. They don't come around very often. That yeah. was the one that kind of stuck out. I love you. Wish I yeah. saw you more. Yeah. The dig comes from the hurt. Yeah. And that, and it's control. And see, when, when there's a pain that's, that's, that's created an issue in your mind and in your heart and you need someone else to be something for you, you're looking for your wholeness out here. Yeah. You're just setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for pain and disappointment. But, but healthy, good, assertive communication helps you navigate through that process because it puts that person in a place to respond and say, you know what, that's not what I meant. Or wow, I didn't really realize that I was coming across that way. And you're helping that person take responsibility, and hopefully they will. And, but it, see, it has to start with love. 
I'm just going to kind of skip some of what I said earlier because it's not, and then that'll make you feel like you're missing out on something. <laughs> All right. Keep that thought. I'm going to give one more aspect. See, it's, a trick. it's tricky. I'm better at just getting up here and sharing what, I, what God told me all week long, but when I'm teaching somebody else's stuff, which I've, I've really never done before, but it's just such good information. So I'm just going through and giving bullet points. So before I come to that conclusion, let me do this. Um, we're talking about stopping pain from our lives. Largely, I will stop judging the world around me, you, myself, God, and I will communicate and I will treat you with respect. And if you do not communicate back to me what I think you need to give me, my wholeness is in Christ, not you. Amen? That releases so much pain. Another great area to release pain is let go of the critical eye. You know, fault finding is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of criticism is not in the Bible. Yeah, the gift of criticism is not in the Bible. I'm telling you, man, the church is really good at this one. See, here's the, here's the thing. Even criticism that's based in truth, based on the Bible, fails. It pushes people away from God. You live this way, and that's not right. Oh, yeah? Well, so what am I supposed to do with it? You just shut them down especially if it's a behavior that they have adopted that this is who I am. You know, there are some sins out there that it's like, it's not, this is what I do, I struggle with this. It's, no, this is who I am, and I'm proud of it. You know, if your attack on that leads with pointing the finger, let me just read this passage here. So we were talking last week, judgment, and I'll get to where I'm going. Matthew 7, verse 1, don't criticize, then you won't be criticized. Pretty easy. Verse 2, for others will treat you as you treat them. And why worry about the speck in the eye of a brother when you have a board in your own? Should you say, friend, let me get that speck out of your eye when you can't even see because you've got a board in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the board. Then you can see how to help your brother. Some of the groups of people that the church really tries to focus on to help then turns back toward the church and says, you bunch of hypocrites. This is why. It's like, I get this board in my eye. Let me get this speck out of your eye, and my board's poking you before I can even get that speck out of your eye, you know? I mean, don't you hear it all the time? Church, a bunch, church full of hypocrites. There's a video that goes through and it asks two sets of questions. Describe Christians. Describe Christ. When they describe Christ, loving, good teacher, good man, healer, describe Christians, hypocritical, mean, fundamentalist, judgmental, we're doing something wrong. We're leading with these boards, and we're being called hypocrites. Have you ever thought the church was hypocritical? Yep. It's because of this because we're leading with your fault. Your problem is this. So I'm going to point it out, and immediately before you ever even have an opportunity to help that person, nope, you hypocrite, look at what you're doing. You start with fault finding, you get fault finding. Yeah. You start with criticism, you're going to get criticism. The church is reaping what it has sown. The world is looking at the church, just it, some pastor falls or misuses money or has an affair, man, it's like it gets more coverage than, you know, ten soldiers that die. It's like, really? Some dude had an affair? There's affairs all over the planet. Yeah, but it's the church. It's the pastor. Okay, well, this, this, it's what's happening. It's the consciousness of the world to look at the church and expect to be judged. And we can stop that. We can lead with love and stop it. Say, stop it. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in for that love thing. I, I'm convinced that Jesus said, it's your love for one another that will cause the world to believe. And then in, as you go, you have this crazy power to, to back up what it is that you're telling these people. So, 
I want to read a quote here. This is directly out of the book. Jesus warned, so, so we're going to talk about fixing people now. Judgment, we talked about the critical eye, now fixing people. Jesus warned of the temptation to focus on the problems of others. The best thing I can do for you and your problem is to take care of me and my problem. Taking care of me means I'm developing my heart to walk in love. If I'm able to bring the love of God to you in your time of trouble, I have provided you with the best service that I can. The moment I come to a place where I feel I can see your faults more clearly than I can see my own, I have become a hypocrite. And, and the church does this. We show the world. Oh, okay, I think I've exhausted that point. So the compulsion to pull the splinter out of everyone else's eye is based on our judgment. Since we know why people are the way they are, we are the ones who can see it clearly, how to fix the problem. Is that, uh, it is that very judgment that blinds us to the reality and renders us unfit to be of any help to those who are hurting and struggling. It's the very mentality that causes us to inflict pain on others and provoke them into bringing pain and retaliation into our own lives. The, the church is scared to death to set people free because of how it reflects on them. The church is in the judgment business. You're wrong. You need to do it this way. Don't look at me. I'm just the messenger. I'm just giving you the truth. No, it's, don't, don't look at me. See there? See how judgmental you are? I showed you your sin, and you're trying to point mine out. That, that's, that's, you're just, that's how wrong you really are. <laughs> oh, man. Love doesn't fail. So, I love this one. The critical eye, you know, looking, trying to find, see what your issue is, is this. You know those people? You ever, you ever known those people? It's like they're so educated in reading behavior patterns and reading body language and reading, you know, just judging people, really. They got like a degree in judging people. <laughs> Enter into this, Proverbs twenty six seventeen. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. How many of you are dog owners? What happens if some stranger runs up and grabs your dog by the ears? They're going to get bit. I mean, I mean, that sweet, cute little dog, if I grab its ears, you know, it's probably not going to like it. It likens that to us jumping in the middle of somebody else's stuff. And see, the church has taken upon itself the responsibility to get in the middle of everybody else's stuff. Why? Why do we do that? This is we don't trust the Holy Spirit. We don't trust that love is the most powerful force ever, and if we will create that environment, that the Holy Spirit can teach and lead people to truth. I, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it. You know, I've been preaching this stuff for 18 years and had lots of opportunities to be in ministerial situations and you know it, it's it's this it just works I just see love work so this last passage here you know I, I was reading are you you just wait you're just standing there looking cute back there sorry <laughs> That's my wife, by the way, so don't be, don't be judging me. Quit judging. <laughs> Colossians, Colossians 4, 6. Oh, it's Colossians 4, 6. Are we there? All right. Pull it down for just... Actually, let's read it. Let your conversation... Y'all took that let's read it thing literally. <laughs> so so <laughs> let's leave it up there. Um, you know, we're just, we're just, we're talking about communication. We're talking about letting go of pain. We're talking about ways to stop hurting. You know, we just carry these hurts. We don't want to hurt anymore. We want to be at a place where we can follow God 
and show the world his love and his power. And this is one of those areas. I was meditating on this passage and, uh, you know, I just kind of, I felt like God asked me some questions through this process. So I'm going to just kind of give back to you what, what I saw in this. So let your conversation be always full of grace, which is what? Grace is divine favor, unmerited favor, and it's influence on our, God's influence on our heart that brings a capacity. So when Jesus described the ministry of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will tell you what the Father is saying. He will remind you of what I've said. He will show you things to come. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. That's the way of grace. Grace is not just the doctrine that you are saved by grace through faith, and that not, and that not of yourselves, but it's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. That's the doctrine of grace, that grace is you're saved because of the blood of Christ and you receive that by faith. That's a doctrine. But the way of grace, the application, the lifestyle of grace is being led of the Spirit into the truth because the, God, the Spirit of God lives in you and He's constantly influencing your heart to believe Him. And when you believe Him, all things are possible to those who believe. And as you believe, you look around and the kingdom is manifested in your life beyond your capacity to make it happen. That's grace. That's the way of grace. So grace is an empowerment. It's because I favor you, God's saying, because I love you, because I want the best for you, I will influence you to lead you into the best that I have for you. So if our conversation is always full of grace, our conversation with others should always be empowering. It should always give that person a sense of value. It should invite this person into the conversation. You know, if I'm talking down to you, you're going to do this because you're this. And we do it with our kids big time. You know, it's like, I'm just, no, you do this. Okay, well, is that full of grace? Are you empowering them? Are you bringing them to a place where they can make a decision? Do they have a voice? Or are you just telling them, no, this is the way it is. This is the law, boom, you got to do it. Or with people that we have problems with, right? And maybe that has hurt you and you feel like, okay, I've got some, I've got some ammunition now. I'm going to go to that person and tell them how they made me feel. Okay, don't forget your communication should be full of grace. You made me feel this way. Not, you made me feel this way. I'm just mad because you, it's, no, you, you made me feel this way. Is that what you meant? So it's, instead of down, it's you're inviting this person to engage you, full of grace. You're giving them power. You're giving this person the right to use their mouth and not whacking them at their knees because what they did wrong to you. You're full, it's full of grace. You're showing them favor. I'm gonna, I'm, I will share my right in this conversation with you. You see that? I love that. God's pretty smart. And then it says, seasoned with salt. What, is, what does salt do? It preserves. So you're showing this person value. You're giving them power. You're sharing with them the right to speak in this conversation. Your motivation is to preserve the relationship, to preserve the environment. See, this is, this is my spouse. This is my child. This is my friend. This is whatever this relationship is. I need to recognize that, honor that, value that, and, and pr- seek to preserve that rather than you did this. I don't care what it means to the relationship. I just got to give you the truth. This is, this, I've learned that I'm supposed to tell people how I feel. So this is how I feel. Now you deal with it. <laughs> that doesn't preserve the relationship. <clears throat> yes, communicate how you feel. But full of grace, preserving the relationship so that you may know how to answer everyone. Communication is answering. What's wrong? Nothing. That's not an answer. Well, what's going on? Nothing. What's wrong? I, nothing's wrong. Did I say something? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Well, if you don't recognize it by now, that's the problem. 
That's not an answer. Answer with honesty. People are not mind readers. Now, you know, I realize you get 30 years into a marriage, and if that person still continues to, I get that, you know. I'm just talking about kind of an equal playing field here. Communication should give answers. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you withhold? Because this person should know better. Well, you're not, you're not seeking to preserve that relationship. You're just looking for an excuse. You are justifying your reason to keep your mouth shut and be bitter. You can hold on to that pain if you like, for as long as you like. And it may even turn into cancer. Or you can bear the temporary pain of once again feeling like, okay, let me explain this again. And go through that process, full of grace, empowering this person, season with salt, preserving the relationship, and being honest by giving an answer. I, I'm telling you, if, you will, if you'll do that, you'll follow that little formula. It may hurt. It may, you may feel like, I, but I, don't, I shouldn't have to do this. Well, you know what? What does it matter? That's like people that understand the new covenant. It's like, I don't have to give. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do that. And so their, their understanding of being of freedom is what I don't have to do. Freedom isn't defined by what you don't have to do. It's defined by what you've been set free from and what you take responsibility for. We're free with people. Are you going to take responsibility to process through those little emotions and open your mouth and communicate? It may hurt. It may hurt. It may be difficult momentarily, but man, I'm telling you, you reap what you sow. If you seek to preserve, you seek to empower, you seek to communicate, that's what you're going to get back. Now, that person may not have the skills that you have, so they, it may feel like you're bumping, bumping your way through this, and you don't need to judge them that you're smarter than that. Well, see, this is how we're supposed to communicate. You remember that, right? You've got to do it this way. Don't do that. I've seen that. I've seen, you've probably seen people take these classes and it's like, okay, now I know how it's supposed to be done. I'm the communication police. No, you can't do it that way. Oh, then that, that, you know, that just extenuates the issue. You know, that, that may be smoothing the edges off the barbed wire, but it's still going to poke them. So that's, 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 you know, the, the, it really, really these principles apply all the way across the board from our most intimate relationships to our voice collectively as the body of Christ, how we communicate toward the world. You know, we have ongoing problems in our marriages and our friendships and our relationships because we hold on to these things and we throw up everything that's wrong with us in between this and it's just like that person has to fight through what we've been through just to even be able to communicate with us because we're so good at throwing it in everybody else's face. Everybody else is paying the bill for what you went through a long time ago. And they don't deserve it. Let's let it go. When you commit to this process, empower that person by communicating, preserving the relationship and being honest... It's, it's difficult to start with. Yeah. It can be bumpy. It can make you feel like, uh, you know, you, it, it can be scary. I mean, it can be, it can, you know, we either, we either are angry that we have to do that because this person should know better, or because of our limitations, we feel like, well, this person's going to do this. Okay, if we say this, then this person's probably going to say this. So when they say this, what should we say? And I understand being prepared. But you don't have to jump into somebody else's head and be ready because what you think they're going to say and, and it's like you're eight steps down the road and that conversation hadn't even taken place. You ever do that? Okay, well, when I say this, I know they're going to say this, so I better be ready to say this. Well, even if it does go that way, yay, you're right. Woo. You've judged that situation properly. I'm glad you're laughing because I know this can be difficult. <laughs> 
So are we committed to that? Empowering people, preserve the relationship, not just blast on them, and watch. Love will bear fruit. It's awesome. Father, that's our heart. That's our commitment. It's to lead with love, to not lead with criticism, to not lead with fault-finding, but to help peace win, to help love win. Father, we just yield our hearts and our minds to you. Some of you may have situations where this applies very specifically. Just open your heart to let that grace start to rise up within you. You don't, you don't have to know exactly what you're going to do, but just commit to walk in love. Father, I thank you that you are giving people insight. You are giving people boldness and courage to, to step up in the authority and the power that they have to communicate, to not be victims any longer. Thank you for your grace that you've shown toward us so we can show it toward others.